All right, go ahead. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Check one, check two. I am everyone's favorite person. Nope. The path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Eternal lust and fun things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spells. She's actually sitting me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's be, y'all. Let's be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. 20 years ago, three young friends realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world, following magic and spirit. Now, they're back in their hometown to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. The one thing I liked about the movie The Crow was the actor Ernie Hudson, who played the detective who he came to because he was in the Ghostbusters. So every time he came on the scene, I just kept going, oh my gosh, I really love that guy in Ghostbusters. I'm so excited he's in that movie. So that's what I liked about The Crow was that it had an actor who was in the Ghostbusters. That literally, that's not a review. (laughs) (laughs) But that was my favorite part about the movie was it had the same actor who was in the Ghostbusters. That'd be like, people would be like, oh, you went on this like beautiful vacation. What did you see? And you're like, I like the color yellow. (laughs) It's like irrelevant. It doesn't have anything to do with the fucking movie. The movie movie was, the movie was, I don't want to say it was terrible. But How I you? think you need to watch it again. Okay, so Kanani. I've watched Now, believe it, it or not, there might, we might have a listener who has not seen this movie. Maybe you should so do I a need recap. To give them a legit review. You need to, okay. you need to actually, a legit review. There's a reason we gave you the segment. All right, so tell us. I thought us it was about, just to force movies upon me. That was the reason Well, for that the was segment. part of it. But no, it's time Jeez for. Louise. It's time for Kanani's recap of movies the rest of the world has already seen. Okay, so the, the, so the premise of the movie is which by the way totally violated the whole violence and like <laughs> like the whole movie is about violence and murder and I'm like yeah but it's huh, not like scary that, like not no, it's, like it's not scary yeah. it's totally fine but it was just kind of funny it made me laugh but so the premise of the movie is about a couple who gets murdered and they get murdered in a very uh I guess uh violent and chaotic way in such that when the guy dies his soul is not at rest and so a year after their murder, he comes back essentially to avenge their death. Yeah. And so he comes back to essentially go after the people who had killed him and his fiance. And that was the premise of the movie. So he then comes back and he's, it was just, it was so 90s, just hokey <laughs> Well, it's and literally, I mean, like, it was if really you would have watched it when it originally came out, it probably would have been I have no doubt nifty. that if I had watched it when I was a teenager, I probably would have thought it was, like, fabulous. Because it's so romantic. It's so... The lung couple, they love each other so much, they're getting married on Halloween, it, which is so It's one of those movies that, gets married on Halloween. that I, I feel like movie. there's certain movies that I loved in the 90s that I've gone back later and watched and I've been like... It was sad. Like, yeah. I thought that was a really good movie back then. So, oh but I mean, it, it wasn't a bad, I mean, I, it was, it was fine. It's, it's kind of funny. It's the same kind of plot premise you see a lot in, you know, just coming back to avenge something. And so you just have to come in and kill everyone. And, um, I thought the story behind the movie of, you know, how he had died in filming the movie was interesting. I could, I kind of was watching, I could see certain uh, scenes where I could tell it wasn't the original actor, it was probably the the stunt double, you yeah. know, because you can just kind of tell in the face that although it's it's painted that you can kind of, you can see the difference. Um, but it was okay. Like I said, my favorite part was that the guy from the Ghostbusters was in it, but I mean, it was, you know, it was your typical 90s, 90s movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it was funny because I saw it when I was 15 and I had two girlfriends come over, which neither one of them were you. I saw them with the totally wrong girls at the time and I made them watch The Crow and I think that I traumatized them. And we watched it. I remember thinking, oh, this is so beautiful and artistic. And so when we decided we were going to make you watch the movie, Kanani, <clears throat> my husband and I sat down and watched it over our anniversary trip this past weekend. And you realized it was bad. And I was... 
kind of horrified oh, that I was making me yes. watch this movie because I was also kind of glad that I was making you watch this movie because out of context, like when it's that, when, well, I mean, but that's so many movies. You look back and you're like, we are spoiled with the amount of technology that oh, shapes the things we have now. 100%. Yeah, but it's also but the dialogue is the like di- terrible. Oh, the script is so bad. So I think bad. I just couldn't deal with it when it was. Tor- Spoiler alert! Turn off your listeners if you've not heard seen the movie where he's in the graveyard with little girl Sarah I think is what her uh, name is yeah and and he's like I'm in the graveyard safest place to be and I went oh no no but I think it's like okay so the movie The Goonies which we all love it's still actually made I rewatched it it's it's wonderful but a friend of mine saw it for the first time when they were like 35 and it didn't do it for them no that doesn't work it can sometimes you can keep the nostalgia but a lot of times, if it's your first experience with that movie, it's like... Is you're kind of like, okay, that's kind of cute. Now I get all the references of the truffle shuffle in that thing. Yeah. Did you get rid of your friend, though? Because that's, like, offensive. I think it was my friend's <laughs> boyfriend. Did she and get rid of her boyfriend? Because that's I'm pretty Actually, I'm pretty sure they did break up. <laughs> okay, that's probably why. Yeah, yeah, because that's just, like, that's a pivotal Mystery part song. of your upbringing. Upbringing, you didn't see that yeah, movie. you didn't see that. It's yeah, ridiculous. so, but I think that's that's part of it. It's... Also, like Hillary, you and I had the movie Multiplicity that we thought oh, yeah, was the that was hilarious, <laughs> and we even watched it. And it was off. It was so bad. We kept being like, "Oh, it must get. It must get it's gonna get funny. Any, it's gonna be so funny." Not any even second. once. We didn't like, even laugh out of nostalgia. Even the ones, even the scenes that we like died at and quoted and quoted a thousand times. times. We were like, "Oh, this isn't good. This is." We turned it off. Actually, you fell asleep, and I said, "I, felt, I think yeah, we're, it was I think bad. This, it was. It was real bad. It was done. I was like, this is." So, well, we had a suggestion from Facebook that the next movie Kanani needs to watch and recap is Bell, Book, and Candle, which came out, I think, in the 60s. I have never seen that movie. I want to say, I looked it up, I want to say it was 50s. It was 50s, but maybe the three of us should watch it together. I yeah, I've seen, never seen it. Have you seen I've it? Se- I saw it once, many years ago, and it's really, I thought it was beautiful. It's kind of, I think it, I think it inspired Bewitched, honestly. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you kind of, yeah. this is like a witchcraft classic, Bell, Book, and Candle, and, um, dialogue that is not nearly as cheesy as The Crow. But good for you, Kanani, for getting caught up on the movies you should have watched when you were 17. Yeah, oh, this is your punishment. Oh. Yeah, next I think uh, we also have to add Interview with a Vampire. Interview with a oh Vampire God, yeah, was on yes. the list. And then Bram Stoker's yeah, Dracula was, yeah, with Winona Ryder yeah, and Keanu Reeves. Yep, yep so, for sure. Yeah, those will be on the list. So we got a question. We had yes. a listener sent us listener a question. Listener sent us a question! Um, it stemmed from, Kanani was talking about how a little bit about her life living with a husband who's a muggle. And, uh, muggle husband. Muggle husband. And so we had a listener write in um, saying that we could maybe discuss that dynamic. And she says, My husband made a comment recently about my witchcraft, decor, altars, etc. in our home being a bit overwhelming. It really hurt my feelings because my altars are an expression of my inner spiritual work and practice. I, on the other hand, would feel completely at home living in the Adams Family Mansion, surrounded by gothic and witchy things all around me. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't me we too, all. sister. Exactly. Me too. Um, we live in a thousand square foot townhouse, so most of the witchy stuff is set up in our kitchen, which sits in the center of the home. I find that it is easier for me because this is where I spend a lot of my time cooking and cleaning, etc. I struggle to balance my family duties and responsibilities uh, with my magical practice. It seems that every time I sit down to devote time to my practice, some sort of crisis happens and my spiritual needs end up getting pushed to the side. Mm. I find that if I want to perform spells or rituals, I end up having to do it late at night so that I'm not interrupted by my family members or animals. Everyone seems to want my attention when I'm trying to focus on me. I'm just struggling to balance having a meaningful practice amidst a whining three-year-old who only wants my attention when I'm not in the room a moody teenager who seems to now be embarrassed that her mother is a witch, and a husband who thinks what I do is basically a load of crap, but that I do it because it makes me feel good. He once described it as running off to play with make-believe, make, play make-believe with my friends during an argument. I don't want to feel like I have to fight to maintain something meaningful for myself in my own house, but I do want to respect the, uh, their feelings as well. My youngest seems interested in, ma- in my magical work. She wants to help when I'm making herbal concoctions, my teen rolls her eyes if I collect sticks for magical crafting. I mean, teenagers roll oh, their eyes mm-hmm. at everything. Yep. Jerks. Burning sage or incense or uh, or bring home new books on witchcraft. My husband just um, <clears throat> my husband just wished that my witchcraft accoutrements didn't occupy so much of my space at, uh, of space in our home. 
I still want to incorporate pagan life into our holiday traditions, seasonal changes, and, and separations. I honor the idea of informing my children about magic and witchcraft, but allowing them to learn from their other paths, from other paths, and seek their out their own way. Sorry this email was so long. Was not my intention. Any suggestions or input input you can offer is greatly appreciated. So <clears throat> let me just start by answering, kind of answering your question. Which is essentially, other than I don't have a teenager, most of my, my, my children are both under the age of 10, um, we're living the same life. Um, <clears throat> you sound like a much kinder person than I am. <laughs> I mean, that's because when my default, husband, yes. yes, when my husband pisses and whines about it, he gets told to suck it up buttercup. So <laughs> that's the loving and, and caring way that I expose my husband to my witchcraft and, and activities. Um, the, the truth is, I think it also depends on how long, I also think it depends on how long you've been with your husband. Um, because I can tell you my husband and I've been together, I want to say it's 11 years now. And I can tell you for the first three or four years, every time he saw something, it like wigged him out and he was just like, what's that? Why? No, I don't think that should be there. You know, maybe put that somewhere else. Now he just kind of looks at stuff and goes, okay, so that's there now. All right. I, I, I see how, okay. And he's, he gets it and it's, it's, it's a non-issue. So I think part of it for people is getting used to things that are unfamiliar. And I think that that takes time. Um, part of it also might be, uh, as a mother, particularly, you know, in a, in a home of that size with four people, you have so little personal space. One of the things that kind of popped out to me is, is you might want to think about um, incorporating some more of your magic practice um, maybe in your own bedroom and or even start really working on some bath spells yes. and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going <clears> to <throat> Because honestly, that is some of, I mean, even then you don't always get time because the toddlers will still come busting in the door, but you might actually get 15 minutes you to might. yourself. And I, right. And I think too, like I, I've used that suggestion for people that just like live with a number of roommates yeah. or just don't have a lot of space or don't feel comfortable having their altar in a public, you know, kind of shared space. Right. So I think that's a great, I always, I'm a, such a big advocate for bath magic because I think it's like, it's some of it's your a, you can, minimal private yeah, time. Yeah, it's private time and it's something you can do when your time is minimal. This is a time when you're more than likely going to be by yourself or you can justify being by yourself. Um, and so you can, you can do it then. I also think, you know, I wonder if finding a small, cor- like finding a corner. So it's, it sounds like where the altar is now is very centralized. Right. And I wonder if that is partially why that happens. And so our kitchen spaces are where we talk. We talk over food. We talk at the kitchen table. We talk, 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 talk. I wonder, I know it's convenient there because it's kind of central, mm-hmm. but I wonder if moving it to... A, a corner that's just yours or an area of a room that can be just yours that, um, you know, that, that could allow you to kind of, maybe when you're over there, you're not in the center of the room. Right. Right. Cause if, I mean, I know if I'm standing in the center of a room and there's people in there, likely they're going to talk to me because they see me. Well, um, I think, <clears throat> I think part of it too, though, cause I'm trying to, I'm kind of picturing it in my head is, um, likely the way she has it is also convenient because there's a toddler and the toddler yeah, probably yeah. can't reach, reach it, it wherever it But is. you can get some inexpensive shelves. Like I was you just know. making shelves or a place to do it. Or and- I would say, I would say have a small personal altar there that is because you can see it all the time. So yeah. you can do something special for you, but maybe not have that be your main place to practice. Mm-hmm. Maybe have that be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That way you have the thing that's in front of you always because that's where you always are. And so that makes sense. But maybe shrink that down if you can so that it's kind of less um, bothersome to the rest of the family if it if it kind of causes chaos and have a more private space. And it sounds like she's very she's very much like me. She's like, I'll expose my children to it, but they don't have to do it. Right. right. I'm of the exact same mm-hmm. mind. So I say just keep doing everything that you're doing and just share with them as they want to share. 
add add like she says little things to her holidays and the seasons and just kind of expose them in little ways if they're interested you can keep going with it if they're not you just let it go um I also wonder if like saying if making a time of day or a time of the week in which maybe your husband is home and can kind of entertain the three-year-old or yeah maybe take him to the park and maybe say like every Saturday between this time to this time I just need 30 minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes whatever it is but just say can't and and, because I find one of the things I mean I'm not a parent but I juggle a number of things and when I try and put new things into practice in a very busy schedule that is sometimes erratic I have to put it on my calendar like I'm going to a doctor's appointment. Yeah. Like I have to build it into my day. So I wonder if you created a habit. And yes, sometimes, you know, someone's, there's a something that comes up. But if you were really kind of firm with that habit to begin with, so you create that consistency like, oh, mom go, you know, just like if someone goes to the gym or if someone goes to take a shower or if someone you know, says, this is the time I go to take a walk or whatever, whatever responsibility or thing you have in your day. I just wonder if, if, if saying, you know, talking, getting your husband on board in that the, the request isn't be more into my witchy stuff. Cause that's not going to happen. Right. But, but maybe say, you know, I, this is really important to me. I was wondering if, you know, on this day or this time of day every week I can, you know, um, take, 30 minutes to myself to just work on some of my stuff, you know, in the yeah. same way that, you know, if you were, and I think it's hard because, you know, like if you were someone that went to a church, you could like go to the church physically yeah. right? and that's time away. But, or maybe, maybe there's a maybe spot she in can your go garden. Yeah. But it, I don't know if you have an outdoor space, like on a, on a deck or if you have a little patio, garden, patio right? area or garden area, you could create an altar outside, which actually has you step out of the house. Yeah. I had a couple of different thoughts and reminded me of a conversation, Kanani, I had with your daughter when she was upset because you and your husband were making her share all of her stuff with her brother. That sounds right. <laughs> and I said to her... Was that yesterday? This... Well, that wasn't <laughs> or yesterday. any day was, before then? Yes. It was about a year ago and I just told her straight, you're at a point in life where you're going to have to share with your brother. That's just where you are right now. That's, that's, it's not going to be forever, but this is just where your life is at. And there's nothing you can do about that. So I think, so two ways. There's one acceptance that this is just where your life is. You you live in a small space. You have a demanding, you know, you have a, you have a child. You have have a child demanding age. It's going to be a challenge. Now see it though more as a challenge than as a problem. Because witchcraft does not need to happen at an altar. Um, have it on a walk. You can happen you on a walk. So I see in the grocery it, store. See in it, the... To me, the gods and the spirits may be needing you to approach them in a different way. And so if you see it that way, and like, okay, y'all, I'm having a hard time finding altar time. My altar is not welcome in this space. What else can I do? And putting it out to the spirits and take in like... It could be on walks. It could be as you're putting your child to bed. You could be, you know, you're pretending to put the kid to sleep and you're also doing an internal affirmation or meditation or doing some chakra work while you're sitting there with them as they go to sleep. So see that as a way that is actually a way to strengthen your witchcraft instead of a way of saying that this is being closed. The the thing that that popped into my head with that comment was, I know when we were talking to Najah Lightfoot, she said... Sometimes an altar is a small, <laughs> small group of things you have in a bag in your pocket, right? So if your alt, if there is something that you can put in your in your pocket that you can take, maybe you place it back on your home altar, but you take it with you. So when you do have that moments during the day, maybe it's you've left dropping the kids off and you sit in the car for ten yeah. minutes, right? Yeah. Or you're in traffic. I mean, don't don't do it in traffic. Don't do it in traffic, but like when you're driving, you know. Yeah. Or you know, but that you can. Maybe when you're com- you've dropped the kids off, you ki- kids off, you come back into the car and you sit for five minutes. I think if you have that something that's important to you in your pocket that you could just hold or rub or or hold on to, that means you're able to take that with you wherever you go. And yes, you can have a larger space at home that's yours, but that way when you find those down moments, it's not dependent on you being physically in the house. So that you can be more spur of the moment if you have some downtime. And I think there's there's a I think there's, she's also highlighting there's two concerns here. Now, while 
I'm not sure we want to go into relationship counseling territory to me. I, know, I, I was like, con- we should consult Dan Savage. We should consult Dan Savage. <laughs> Clearly. So we put, yeah. Um, I was concerned because she mentioned her husband insulting her witchcraft during an argument. That's not, yeah, that's not. So to me, if, if it wasn't, uh, my thing is that if it weren't witchcraft, he were insulting there and say you were working on a, you know, developing a line of pottery, he might've insulted that instead. Um, <clears throat> to me, that's, that's a sign of disrespect for things that you care about. And so addressing that, I think it's, it's important to try to separate the magic and the spirituality from it. And more like, it's this not, is a, something that's this important is important to me, to me and it's not and about, you, this, you used yeah. it against me when we were having a, a problem and maybe he's apologized since then. He sure, he should have. And definitely, I'm sure he probably has. And I, I, I wonder too, if just, if, if having a conversation in which you say, you know, I know that this is something that isn't important to you and that's, I totally respect that. I don't expect you to, I don't expect us to find the same things important, but this is important to me. And I would like, and I find too, when you're asking, you know, I would like your help in finding a time that allows me that in a finding a time that allows me to do this, but also I would like your help in, 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 you know, creating a space where that is okay for you to practice in the home. And it, you know, and I think it doesn't, again, he doesn't have to get involved or get excited about it, but I think maybe having a conversation and just explaining, because sometimes I think, you know, because I think sometimes people forget that, that, that the importance of witchcraft to a witch, you know, because if, if you don't have a lot of information on witchcraft or this is the first time he's been exposed to it, to it, maybe, maybe he just doesn't get it. Maybe it's like, he thinks it's this fad that his wife is doing versus, well, I, you know, so I'm gonna, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I think it's not specific to witchcraft. I think it it has more to do with people who do not have their own faith. Yeah. Often have absolutely no understanding of someone who does have a faith and they often will kind of poo poo it and think it's silly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they have no faith of their own. So I don't know if that's always been true for him quite possibly because there's a lot of people who've grown up either agnostic or just of of no religious background. So he's never going to get it. He's probably never going to appreciate it. And he's probably never going to want to be a part of it, which is totally fine. This is your thing, but it's, it's absolutely fair to have the, the boundary of you don't have to like it. You don't just like please it. respect that it's yeah. something and I think that I too, do. I think too, like asking people to be part of the solution rather than saying, I'm going to do this. If not everybody gets away with what Kanani gets away no. with. No. <laughs> not no. Not everybody does. And I think that when you engage someone in being part of the solution, it makes them invested yeah. in and the solution. And you mentioned, she mentioned she has a really small house. But my, my other question is, does her husband have a space of his own? And if he does, then it's important to say, okay, this is your space and I have mine. If yeah. he doesn't have his own space, then maybe that's another thing you can work on. Say, I really need this. What do you need? Right. What can we create for you? Yeah, and right. don't ever call my my imaginary friends again. Don't use that. That hurts. That's that's hurtful, and but, it's, and it and it you know, it but there's minimizes the but, thing that's important. To right, me. but there's yeah. a there's a question. The question I have is, where's his space? And not just in front of the television. I mean, does he have? Does he have a a chair that he likes to sit in? That is his chair. I know when I was growing up, my dad had a chair. Had a chair. We don't we don't mess with the chair. Um, and my grandfather. My dad had a little office space that was yeah. like his. You know, and chances are they probably don't have an office. space I think in also um, like. Columbia Willamette Pagan Pride Day is a great event to take families to. Yeah, yeah. agree. Because the 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 dad and kids local? can can pretty much um, can pretty much just hang out at Oaks Park and go right. do the rides. Yes. And then they just kind of walk over and go, oh, what's the weirdness over here? And they're like, oh, it's just a bunch of people selling fun little things. Yeah, and they're yes. oh, this is fun. Agreed. And they see people and and so. <clears throat> that's one of the reasons I enjoy having it there so much is because it is completely muggle friendly. Yeah. And so you yeah. get people who come over just to see what's going on. Yeah. And then they realize what is going on and yet they don't feel threatened. Most and pagan, it gives them exposure that's yeah. really positive. And most pagan pride events that are out there are in some similar situations. Like in New York City, they have it in Washington Square Park. So you can go watch the dancers, or get friendly. ice cream. Yeah, you and, can go, do, go something do something else. else and then come back. Yeah, um, yeah. That, those kinds of places. So I would, I would definitely encourage taking your taking your family to kind of events like that. Totally. That where the entire, you know, if it's nothing but workshops all day, then no, Boring. that's that's they're not going to have any interest in that. But if it's something, you know, at an amusement park yeah. or something where 
there's other focuses that they can do that's super fun that gives them fun memories and it just has this other thing thrown in there. I think that's a really good way to, to incorporate that kind of thing into your family. But I would just say, you know, as speaking as, you know, someone who knows what it's like to have people just constantly vying for your attention, you have no private time. And I would, I would just kind of, as far as the family stuff goes, um, you know, just try and kind of baby step it. And it sounds like I said that she's already very realistic. She doesn't yeah, expect, it sounds like you're doing she it. doesn't expect her husband to get into it. And she's, she's, um, willing to, you know, have her children get into it, but she's totally fine if they don't. For sure. So it sounds like you're, you're already I think being, you're already doing a great yeah, job. Yeah. You're already being very accommodating and thoughtful about it. And so I would just say, you know, maybe, reevaluate what you feel like you need in your practice so that because like like Hillary and Courtney said you know sometimes people have the same issue with roommates they have a roommate who does not practice they don't want an altar in the living room to have to explain to their friends when their friends come over and that's just something that people deal with when you know they have like I I'm trying to think I don't really I don't have any significant I don't have anything that someone would come into my living room and say that's an altar the kids have them in their bedroom closets. I have them in my closet. I have it in my bedroom. I have things like that, but I don't really have anything in the main part right. of my home. And I think it's because to me, it's kind of the communal part of the home. And it's just not something that it's just not, not where you want it to be. Not yeah. what, yeah, it's just yeah. not what I do. Because for me, when I'm in the middle of the living room, I have absolutely no privacy because that's where everyone's bugging me right. and asking me yeah, that's questions. What, yeah, that's what I wondered too. So that's why it's in the corner of my room or it's in my closet or, you know, on my bathroom vanity, things like that. So, you know, maybe kind of think about what works best for you and, and think of things outside of just a, you know, tabletop or countertop altar that you could use for your magical practice if if you have limited space for stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a great question. It's a great question. It's something you're always going to be And I know that there are for sure listeners out there that are experiencing that same absolutely. thing. Absolutely. So 100%. Really, hopefully that some of those suggestions helped. And, you know, if you have other questions or follow-up questions, we're always open to answering more questions. So thanks for writing in. We always appreciate those questions. So there was also another person that wrote in, yes, right? Yes, yes, and her name is Alana, um, either Elena or Alana Lowe, um, and she sent us a link to her debut album, which is on Spotify, and it's called Loam, and it's really, really beautiful. It's very Celtic-inspired. She's got a gorgeous voice and very witchy, so we like to give our fellow witches a lift out there. So we have a link to the Spotify on our page. Um, on our page. Yep. So please go check it out. Alana Lowe and her EP is Loam. And so it's always good to have more. I know I listen to witchcraft music all the time while I'm working, but I don't always want to listen to, hello, it's the Sabbath. Let's talk about the Sabbath. I'm like, ah, can you do something that's a little less on the nose? And so this kind of, this really hit that spot for me of something very witchy, um, but more spirit inspired than like, you know, some of the more um, ritual stuff that I hear. So well done, Alana. Keep us posted. So, uh, what has everyone been up to? Anything, anything of note? So I was at our old haunts today. I know, literally, oh my God, Courtney, like, sends us a message that says, I'm at Coffee Time, which is a a coffee shop on Northwest 21st in Portland, Oregon, that we literally spent, like, we lived there in high school. Yeah, when you're, like, it used to be open 24 hours, so when you're under 21, it's where everybody went. Yes, most of our adventures, our, our bad adventures, started I mean, and ended there. Yes. Or ended there. And then there's also the Roxy, where the first place we were exposed to drag queens. Oh my God, the Roxy is so amazing. It's, it's so, it's just this cheesy, not, it was not cheesy, but it was, it used to be super sleazy place to get grilled cheese oh, and yeah. french fries at, at like, like four in the four morning. In the morning yeah. And so we used to go there a lot too. And yeah. they would welcome us in and, you know, but it's very strange because both places now are super clean. The Roxy, there was an unflushed toilet, so I was like, okay, okay there's, there's still, still, there's still, there's still, still some grit. Yeah, but it, it was, um, uh, there, it, it used to be, it just used to, I mean, nobody, nobody asked me for pot at coffee time today, which what? was very, nobody asked me for change at either place, no one panhandled or asked me for drugs. Man, what is happening? Right? And, uh, I know, right? And, um, <laughs> the people, there's like, if you were comfortable resting your arms on the table, then that's not okay. It's, it yeah, was, it's like, I know, I, it was, you know, I had my concerns about some of the 
facilities in the bathroom, like they still had that cloth towel thing that loops around. Oh my and so god! Like, it's yeah, probably been there for thirty years. I'm gonna just I'm gonna air dry the hands. Okay, we're not touching this thing. I know where it's been. Um, wow. But that was it. Was so funny because I. <clears throat> It was so funny because I had to come into Portland really early this morning for an appointment. And then there was nothing open except, except for coffee, coffee time. time. So like you're the opposite problem that we did. I know. It's, it's you, like. You were in like a reverse reality. It was somewhere. very funny. So I'm sitting here saying, of course I'm here. And then a, a very, my good friend Max was in town and uh, wanted to get lunch at the Roxy. And I went, oh my God. So it was interesting because I'm, I'm writing a lot about Hakate right now and about her being a goddess of ghosts. And we're actually recording this just before Halloween and it's the new moon. Yep. And so, and her day is the 30th. So there's like a whole bunch of Hakate stuff happening right here. All those things are related to her in one way or another. And I, uh, I felt like, although I didn't actually see a spirit form, I felt like I was running into the ghosts of Courtney past. Yep. And having these, and then I swear to God that the guy in the corner looked like Chuck Palahniuk who actually wrote Fight Club <laughs> while he was working at the Roxy and he wrote it at, at coffee time. And I wanted to go over and ask him, but then he would probably say no because I don't think it was him. And so I could at least leave with a story I that I... he still lives here though, right? He moved to Washington. Oh, did he? Portland got like too, too clean hip? for him. Too hip? Yeah. And so he, he didn't want to grow the, the hipster beard. Oh, Lord. Oh, so funny. Yeah, but it, it, so that was I was running into my old haunts and had some spiritual <clears throat> things that I wrote about, which will may or may not end up in my next book. So that's what's going on. Also, I went ziplining this weekend for the first time. That's horrible. oh my god, really? Yeah, that's and it, amazing. I was scared, except I know that Kanani once went ziplining, and I thought if awful. she can do it, I can do it. It was super fun. <laughs> it was awful. Um, <clears throat> what have you been up to? I've been dying. Yeah, you've been sick. I've been sick. No. I was at the Oregon coast this weekend with my dad. Uh, we went to Manzanita, which is like one of my favorite beaches, and we went crabbing in Nahalen Bay, which was awesome. It was very I love crab. Very, yeah, it was, we we caught some, and I swear to God, like I feel like they were so close, but it was like less than a millimeter off in width, and they were nope. like, nope, <clears throat> throw, so, throw them back in. So we instead ate a bunch of oysters and clams. So that was fun. Um, and what else? It's just been a busy week, but it's been a good one. Um, so we have a guest on today who happens to be sitting in this room. Yeah. Is or it the you goat? Guest? I'm the... It's the goat. So today we're going to be interviewing the goat. We would like to know what it's like to live as a goat <clears throat> who is, uh, exploited for the scream. No. Um... <laughs> It's because the 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 the, um, the screaming goat turns out to be everyone's favorite co-host on this show. We're yes. getting fan mail from the goat. So since today, I'm losing my voice, and since you're going to be doing the interview, I get to be in charge of okay. the goat today. Today I am I am I, the goat. I, I feel like this is goat. a bad idea, but we're gonna go Such with a it. Bad idea. <laughs> so uh, today I am interviewing Courtney. Uh, Courtney's new book came out. Has have anyone checked it out yet? Kanani. Not yet. No, I have not gotten. A what copy did you think yet. of her first book? I have all of her books. Thank you. I have them, and they're signed. You don't have the Morgan. No, no, no. no. I don't have the you... new one. I don't have the new one. Yeah. So, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. Courtney's amazing book came out: "The Morgan Celtic Goddess of Magic and Might." Um, and Hillary's read it, but Kanani, one has of us, it. has read it. I know why. I figured out why Kanani does not read my books. And why is that? Because then she would have to admit that I actually know something. That, I, that is true. And she just can't cope she with can't. that. She can't. She can't. It's too much. I have minimal coping skills. And so that's, that is, the, that's where the that's, line that's, is. I, found that's I was the sitting line. there trying to figure it out and like nursing my hurt feelings that like my oldest friend will not read anything that I've written except for the one blog about how ways to annoy people on Samhain. Which I read on accident because I didn't know it was yours. <laughs> and she knew it too. She knew it too You're because as soon asshole. as I posted it, she wrote, you just read something of mine, bitch. And I'm like, son of a <laughs> oh my god Son of crap. yeah so that um i think that's why kanani hasn't read anything about it. but anyway anyway is so, conducting the interview of me it's about me today i am taking it's over this your day and it is it's my day, day. <laughs> oh man i'm gonna have so much fun today Shit. so um the book was great. I mean, I first oh, of all, I really you. love your writing style because it's very informative, but it's also really narrative. So 
I find that sometimes when you have books that go over a lot of history or a lot of that have a lot of research contained in them, sometimes it can feel like reading a textbook. And that's certainly not the case with this book, which I think is great because it's hard, you know, to like get through something when it's really, really like, like overly research um, or like overly heavy technical in a technical way. So um, I thought it was really great. Uh, what inspired you? How did you come to write the Morgan? So you did the book on Bridget. I did the book on Bridget. So where did this where did this come from? Come from um, probably sadism or masochism. What is the one you when you want to cause suffering to yourself? Masochism. A masochism, absolutely. That's where this came from. Yeah, yeah. No, you had <laughs> suffered enough. I had suffered one. enough. You, you didn't know them apart, more. so I'm going to disagree. <sighs> It took her three times. It took three okay, times. Three times to press that. Now screen. I got it. Now I got it. Oh my God, it's literally a child's toy. Now and I so, can't do it. Anyway, back to my book. Um, so, I I am a. I guess I would call my. Some people might call it a mystic witch, and that feeling like there's a sense of the divine that inspires and guides what I do. Most of my witchcraft is centered around gods and goddesses. Yeah. Um, in particular, Bridget has been the one that I've been with the longest, where I feel I've got, I, you know, I, most of my devotions go through her. And if I'm working with other god or goddess, I've got to make sure that they're compatible. And this is all about my gnosis. This is not rules regarding Bridget. It's just about the relationship that she and I have. So, um, but when I travel for work, I check in a lot with other with bookstores and ask what people are asking for. And it turns out that a lot of people were asking about books about the Morgan. And I'm also making this very clear. There already were a number of very good books on the Morgan available. So I don't know if perhaps um, it's just been a while since these came out and people were looking for more. Or, or that bookstore didn't carry them. That bookstore them, didn't carry or... them. Or, you know, different publishers have different distribution cycles. Right, so sure. it's, it's a whole thing. So I just want to make that very clear. So I was actually surprised that this was something people were asking for. And I also... <clears throat> Um, I've had my own experiences with the Morgan. She's been um, certainly a consistent, but more of a background presence in a number of, of times in my life. And um, but the main reason why I wrote this book is because someone told me not to. Someone was like, "Don't do it." Someone said, like, "Don't do it." And they you said, were like, "She totally it. gets that from me." Suck it. Right. That's um, my that's okay. my influence. But somebody, so I was I was having a conversation with someone, and I said, "I'm thinking about writing a book on the Morgan," and they said, "Don't do it." There are too many, um, there's too much of a cult around her where there people are too stringent about what are the right translations mm. and what are the right things or the other. And you, people are going to rip your book apart. And I said, well, that's already happened to everything. I've well, written, I mean, so someone's might as gonna, well. I mean, the reality is, is like, you're not going to please everyone. No, you're not. And sometimes people get really mean, especially when mm. you're writing about um, deity. And I, that's universal because I look up, um, books that are written by Christian writers about their relationship yeah, they with get Jesus. And they ripped get ripped to apart Everyone. because they don't have the right view of Jesus or whatever. So I have, I was like, okay, well, I'm, you basically just told me what you shouldn't have told me was that I shouldn't you know, do it. I shouldn't so do I'm it. Gonna so I'm going to do, do it. But also personally, um, it hit a really hard time. And um, I mean, when I wrote Bridget, Hillary, you and I were on different continents, so we weren't spending as much time together. But Kanani can attest, when I started writing Bridget, my life was in a real fucked up place yeah <laughs> I was making all kinds of really terrible mistakes as hard as I could make them and so I she's an overachiever I'm an overachiever and I really screwed up some stuff and so Bridget came in and said yeah that relationship you're in that one's got to go um also those friendships that you are so bent on keeping they all suck and you're about to see it so I was losing a lot of people in my life I thought were really important and um also some of the plans I had for my future got upended um, including trying to finish a grad school degree, which Bridget was like, yeah, this is not going to work for you. So everything is stalled, but you're going to write a book for me. And in doing that, my life got itself in order. You know, I met my husband. Um, I got a number of publishing deals after that. And I really got yeah. right with myself. So when I started writing the Morgan, the building blocks were all in place. My relationship was going well. Um, we just bought a house and uh, we were living in Oregon. We were doing, which is what I really wanted for a long time, was to come back home. So on this, and I had a really great job that I appreciated and was paying me well. And like all the, the check the boxes, but my soul was in a pretty rough place. Um, something about witchcraft, it will eat you alive. This doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but it does mean you can, just like saying to our listener, it is totally fine if witchcraft is just 15 minutes of your day. Yeah. It's fine. Because the more you put into it, the more it's going to take from you too. And 
my life was in a place where witchcraft almost broke me. Um, I was giving too much of it to other people's processes. And um, although I had built and led one of the most, one of the largest and most successful pagan and witchcraft communities in the tri-state area, I was burned out. There was nothing left for me. And it's so funny. I moved to New York so I could explore my witchy self because I just couldn't do it in the town where everyone had known me as Catholic Courtney. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. Um, people would laugh. They're like, of course you are. Ha ha ha. Because witchcraft wasn't cool back then. It's cool now. Nope. Witchcraft was not, not cool, cool 20 years ago. Not I joined cool. witchcraft at this its peak uncoolness. And I went to New York City just to explore because nobody knew me as Catholic Courtney so I could be Courtney the witch. And I was. And that identity just about took me under. And so then I moved back to get away from that identity, which is really a painful thing to say. Yeah. In addition... Um, you know, my, um, a lot of things I had been ignoring for my own self, my own process. Um, my old eating disorder came back with a vengeance and uh, depression I'd been ignoring for a while came back with a vengeance. And my husband and I had been in doing fertility treatments for two years and we hit a major wall that our plan was not going to work and we had to go a different way. So all these things came into being. And when you're in a really tough place, sometimes you don't want to be with a person who's going to make you feel better. Because you know you're not going to feel better. You want to be with a person who's going to sit with you in the darkness and say, yeah, that sucks. That's terrible. And that was the energy of the Morgan was just like, I was in a really dark place. And that's the only, that's who I found down there. And I was given a lot of warnings. They said, she's going to ruin your life. She's going to make you sick. She's going to do this and that and the other. But I think that she actually. I think I, it's a misconception. I think it's a misconception. I think that. She shows up to people before they walk through those periods of darkness. And yeah, and so they think that she's the cause of they it, or think, the bringer of it. She's no, the, but I think she shows. But I don't up. think she is. No, one of her, one of um, the Morgan is is just so under people have a better um, concept. Um, the Morgan is sometimes one goddess, and she's sometimes three goddesses, so and she's sometimes five goddesses. That's one of the things that I learned reading your book was I so. I mean, I knew peripherally a little bit about the Morgan, like I, you know, obviously the basics that I feel like most people know, um, maybe a little more than that, but not a ton. And I guess I didn't, I mean, I didn't have, I had no clue that there were so many representations of her yes. and that were so diverse. Like I always thought it was like dark, 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 dark. And I mean like, warfare, yeah, warfare, warfare, yeah, and, sex, and, sex, 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 sex. And, and like, yes, it is. It is. I didn't realize that there were, I mean, I guess I, I just didn't, I didn't realize that there was s such a variety of the way that she's represented. Um, and that was one of the things that I found so interesting in what you wrote, because I felt like I saw a side of her or more than one side of her that I really didn't even realize existed. Yeah. And, and just, I feel like we kind of skipped a beat here because we didn't even talk about what she's known as a goddess. Right. Savage. Most of the time people know of her as this Irish goddess of warfare and death and sexuality. Right. And all of those things are true, except a lot of times that's taken out of context. And so people think of her as a goddess of things that are scary. And I found through this that she's a goddess of parts of life that are difficult, mm -hmm. but that can't necessarily be avoided. Right. Right. And so and that's where I think people got conf get confused. So she's... Um, the, the face that a lot of people know is either, is they call her the Morgan or they call her Morgu. And she's yeah. this goddess of warfare, but she's also... Um, a goddess of strategy and um, planning. And she's the one who's gets the kings to get up on their feet and rise and go to battle, right? But she's also sometimes, or another face of the Morgan is Bive, who is sometimes called the Washer at the Ford. And in some, um, some people believe that the Irish character, the Banshee, who screams when there's a death coming, that she yeah. was one of, originally one of the Morgan sisters. And she's the one who warns the kings that they're screwing up. And warns them if you don't change your ways and you don't, this is you, yeah. you're you're gonna die. Basically, to me, the vibes of today are like the climate scientists. Yeah, excuse you, know? you <laughs> like excuse you're you. gonna better, you're better screwing pay up, attention. and then the world leaders are like, no, whatever, no, you know what you're talking no, about. It's, it's fake news. Like, yeah, fake, exactly. So when I was reading this, I went, oh, climate scientists, those are vibes, modern vibes, <laughs> right? So it's this, it's the embodiment of of um the voice of truth of a really painful truth that nobody wants, that to, no hear. One wants to hear right and then there's maka whom you two are going to love if you've not had the chance to to explore her who may have been uh based on a historical queen who who in legend ruled all of ireland for a brief period of time in like the first century or the last century before common era 
And um, she is, she's the only one who dies in any of the myths. In a couple of different myths, she dies. She dies one in a battle. Another time, um, she dies because her husband screws up. <laughs> so she ends up dying in childbirth. Because... Very real to life. <laughs> Very real life. Um, but there's another story in which she, um, she tricks all of her rivals, who are all men. And she not becomes, hard to do. Not hard to do. And she becomes queen of Easy. the province and she turns them all into her servants and makes them build a big big castle for her. So, it's... so basically she's me if I was living my best I life. Was, I was just going to say, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So she's, exactly. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of that. Something to strive for. But, when, um, but sometimes, um, and there are other goddesses I mentioned I don't think we have time to go into right sure, now. Sure, but, sure, sure. Um, one of the, people get confusing. Is she one? Is she three? Is she five? And I say yes, 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 yes and yes. yes. Yeah. And here's an example the three of us, okay? We are three very different people. We've lived different lives. We have different stories. At the same time, we come from a similar place. We grew up in a, you know, yeah. kind of near each other. And um, sometimes we get us going. I'm sure to our listeners, we're, they're listening to just one person. So are we three different people? Yes. But are we also the same person? Yes. Also yes. Also yes. <laughs> Kanani nods. There's also... Kanani's... <laughs> <laughs> Kanani's... Kanani's nodding like, oh, God, do I have to admit that I'm basically yes. Courtney? <laughs> but she has before. We were at a Pagan Pride, and uh, someone ran up to me and called me Hillary. And I turned around. I said, that's fine. You can call. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I confused with Hillary. I'm like, that's fine. Just don't confuse me with Kanani. <laughs> <laughs> so another question I had is, and I, I like to ask authors this that have done a lot of research-based things, but what was the most surprising thing that you found? Was there, was there something that stuck out to you? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. Or a thing, not necessarily the... I said the same thing to Tomas, Tomas Prower, and then I was like, okay, like, a thing. A, a thing, like... yeah. So, getting uh, learning about women's roles in warfare in the Celtic world, and so we're talking, like, 1,000 before Common Era to about 500 right. Common Era, all right? Yeah. Um, the, the roles of women in warfare and how much of that was mirrored in the way that the Morgan is seen on the battlefield. So she's often known for, um, for screaming and getting and using the elements to defeat her enemy. A lot of depictions of the Morgan, um, she's carrying a sword. She actually never lifts a weapon. Right. Only once is she actually seen. I've seen her depicted with a sword. She many never, times. never lifts a single weapon. Her weapon is her voice. She could scream. And wake everybody up and scare them. She also um, strategized. She knew where to meet the enemy. And there's only one scene in any of the myths where she's actually committing a direct act of violence. And it's not really said what she did. All it said is that she met her enemy at the ford with two handfuls of blood. Which I take it to mean she ripped his nuts out. But yeah, I think so. they don't actually say what she did. But again, her weapon is her body, right? She didn't right. have a, a, a tool that she used. And... Um, one of the major things she could do is that when the armies were tired, she was able to get them to stand and fight. And this was a crucial role of Celtic women on the battlefield. So when um, wars of this era, particularly in Ireland, were not like Braveheart or Game of Thrones where you've got like hundreds of... Have you seen Braveheart, by the way, Kanani? Parts. Okay, oh, well, that's not going to... I'm not going to put that on the list because of we're Mel Gibson. Not but because I hate Mel Gibson. I know, all right. So because anyway, he's terrible. But anyway... Um, you don't have like hundreds of horseback soldiers running after each other. It's more like six guys. They need more cattle because it was a cattle-based economy. Cattle was food. It was also currency. And if you're down a few cows, you can't wait for them to breed. You got to go get some more. So you go ride. You go raid the tribe next door. So the men would go next door and raid the tribe, but their women would come along. So their moms, their wives, their sisters, their daughters. Sometimes they married more than one wife, and they would all stand around. Now, they would sometimes do psychological warfare where they would imitate the sounds of the warbirds, the screeching of the different um, scavenger birds or the carrion crows or the roisting crows, the, the birds that were really terrifying because they would show up to pick the corpses clean. So they were really bad omen. And so there was a sense of either um, making the sound just to scare everybody off because sometimes the sound alone would cause the, the um, tribe being invaded to just surrender their cattle. They're like, you know what, I'm not dealing with you. You're going to, you just go ahead and take the cattle. Um, but they were also there to keep their men in check. So if their men started to get tired, they would literally rally them to get back up. And if they ran away, they were there to shame and scold them. So the men, if they got scared, did not want to crap their pants in battle while their mother, their wife, or their multiple like wives, or their sisters, or daughters, or sister-in-laws yeah. are all staying there watching suck them. Suck it up, buttercup. 
right? And so th- that was one of the things. So the, everything that the Morgan did in um, her battles are things that the women actually did. I believe the women probably even snuck into the camp the night before because sometimes the Morgan and her sisters saying that they would um, allow the men no rest, but they made it sound more like it was thunder and lightning and hail. But I'm also wondering if it's perhaps hey, ladies, let's sneak to the tribe next door. We're going to keep the men awake all night. In the morning, our brothers are going to come and steal all their cattle, and they're going to be hung over, and they're not going to be walking straight because we kept them up so much. And so I'm sure that that ever, 1,500 years of history, I'm sure that happened. And so there's there's stories that indicate that was that was the case. And so I, and also there's stories about how um, the Morgan was spying for her husband and was, you know, and that she, so that there's a, there's a sense in which there was, a lot of really tricky ways she helped. And so I think finding those parallels. And so that helped me to say, this isn't about warfare. The Celts were always at war because that is how they lived their lives. That was their life. That was their reality. So is she a goddess of warfare or is she a goddess of really crappy things that are part of life, part of life. and can't be avoided, but you got to do them anyway? The other question I have is, People that are interested in either working with the Morrigan or learning more about the Morrigan, what are some suggestions you have in approaching work with her and you know is there anything that people should be should know or be aware of in doing so yeah so I, I think there's a lot of fear around her and I don't want to go so far as to say don't be afraid I feel like the first lesson of the Morgan is to acknowledge that you're afraid and proceed anyway and do it anyway do it anyway say I am scared I'm going to do it anyway <clears throat> um I think if people are interested in the Morgan they're going to find that I think that she's already calling them. I think anyone who has sat down to listen to this far in the podcast probably has the Morgan sitting on their shoulder somehow. And the first thing is to simply be open. I mean, for me, I made an offering. I would, we're lucky we're, we live, you know, not too far from a trout Lake Abbey, which is up in the Columbia Gorge. And it's, a, it has a number of enormous shrines to different Irish and Celtic deities. Uh, one of which is the Morgan. So I was able to go to that shrine directly and make an offering but as I was saying on another podcast, it doesn't matter if you have access to a shrine like that. If you're lucky enough to be living in Ireland where you can go to Awutnagat, which is her, um, which is her cave, or you know, simply just being in the land of Ireland because in many cases, um, the name Morgan in some translations means great queen, which right. in the Celtic view might have actually been the land itself, which is why sometimes she was very kind and sometimes she was very cruel, right? Because right? the land could be very so, fickle, yeah. right? So I... Um, I would say just present yourself, but I would say with any of um, the gods, especially the Celts, be very careful with what um, promises you make. I know that for me, I made a promise when I was in college that I would write a book for Bridget, and I didn't for a long time. I think that's part of the reason why my life went went weird for a while. And so when I came to the morgue and I asked her what I was looking for, I said, I can write this book for you, and here are some things I'm looking for in exchange, and I'd like to know you better. And she showed herself to me. Right. I had um, I had visits from the Bible in my dreams warning me about dangerous situations that um, I was in within 24 hours. So that was there was that that happened. Um, And I think um, but that's that's the main thing. But I think and be open because she shows herself in some very surprising ways and she doesn't always show herself right away. And one of the books, one of the things about this book is that I include a number of personal stories from people who have experienced her over the years, one of which we have to talk about in a second. And, <laughs> and one of them was a man who he wrote a, a, a hymn to the Morgan, as he called it, and recited it to her on a on a holiday. And he said nothing happened, nothing bad happened. But then six months later, what he had asked for manifested in a really beautiful way and completely restored his life when it was when he was going through a difficult time. Yeah, so um, I and because um, there's a lot of controversy as whether or not she's also a fairy, and because in some of her myths she can go in and out of the fairy mounds in Ireland, which um, is unusual. And um, there are times she could announce certain battles to the as they call the she hosts, which were a, a cast of the fairy of the fairy world. Um, and sometimes she acts like a fairy. She just curses because she's not in a good mood, or she steals cattle, and things that the fairies were often um, were often blamed for in Ireland. And so I wouldn't go so far as to say she's a fairy goddess because I don't know that. But there are times she certainly acts like one, which means that she's not necessarily here to do humanity's bidding. Right. Right. We have this concept of fairies as um, sweet little sweet cute. little things, sweet little cute things. 
and that live to serve humanity, and that is not that's not true. That's true. They're so mischievous. No, and like, um, they're yeah, and um, and also don't mess with. And them. also, in a lot of an Irish stories are very dangerous. You yeah, know? there's there's something yeah. there's a lot of there's a saying that's very common in Ireland saying I don't believe in fairies, but I wouldn't want to cross one. Yeah, <laughs> and so there are certain areas of Ireland you don't go because it's a fairy ring. You don't like, want to go there. No, nope, you just leave. That's rude. for them. We're staying. That's away. like going into someone's home. Yes. Without. You know, yeah. without being invited. That's rude. Yeah. And so... Don't be rude. Yeah. Rule. <laughs> like, lesson is, but, don't be an asshole. So, and I think we may have even experienced we a did. taste of the fairy oh Morgan. God. We were at a ritual. We were at a ritual, and we have... Okay, now I'm going to let you explain it, because I feel like you're going to do it better than me. I really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't like that. I feel like if I say it, first of all, I'm really bad. Once I start laughing, I can't stop laughing. And so I feel like if I tell this story, I'm going to get like a third of the way through and then just laugh and not be able to finish. So. Yeah. So ever since we were in high school, Hillary and I have had an inside joke about pigs, similar to the one that Kanani and I have about penguins, um, which stories for the time. Well, anyway, so we'll tell the, the pig story another time and the pig yeah. story. But, it's like such a long, it's a long story. But. Long story. But anyway, whenever we see each other, we call each other re. Re. Because so it's, that's like a, stuff, it's like, yeah. Because that, that's the sound squeal. of the pig. Re. Re. Yeah. <laughs> so we were going to go to a Morgan ritual and I, you know, you had just come out to me as a witch and I was like, well, do you want to go? And you're like, of course I want to go. And we went to this ritual and we heard that this, this woman who was running it was very serious and we did not want to be disrespectful. Be disrespectful. Like, well, of course, we, 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 like, we, I feel like we didn't go into it thinking no, that. We just went because we, just, we were like genuinely wanted to experience it. But and, we also knew that she was this really heavy, and so we went heavy in Morgan and, practitioner. And we went in and and there was a pig in there was the ritual space. Pig. There was a fucking pig, pig in the ritual space. And, and the thing is, is like we walked in and I just froze and I was like, don't look at Courtney. Don't look at her. Don't look at her. And everyone is just Don't like look at her. chanting and crying. Every, and it's like this beautiful, beautiful ritual. And I'm like, and then they they turn on the music, and the speaker was behind the pig. The speaker was coming, and it was like some kind of dig like music, the, and it went like, we're like, fuck and I was us. like, oh my god. And actually, the sound was also really beautiful. But, but I was like, like, it's coming out of a pig, and I just like <laughs> lost it. And so she's over there coughing like. <laughs> And I'm just like Hillary. No, what I was literally doing was digging my fingernail into my. <laughs> no, leg. you were like you were coughing too because you were trying. I not was to like laugh. I was <laughs> like I was digging my fingernail and I was like pain over laughter. Oh, Jesus. Oh my God. And I and so I managed to just I was like close your eyes, close your eyes, just Don't like zen like, out, like, just like, like center yourself. <laughs> There's not a pig in this room. Courtney's not here. You're somewhere else. You're there somewhere else. Focus on the Morgan. Don't, Don't be disrespectful. Don't be rude to the Morgan. Don't be rude to these people. Like I was sitting there and I actually had a really amazing experience in the end. But the first five minutes were like a fucking and nightmare. We like, left and I was like, oh, we're like, yeah, we gotta go. I don't know who keeps a fucking pig statue in their living room except us. Right. So I was like, so I literally was like, I was like, okay, you know, so I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. We're just gonna, we gotta go we gotta, chat with someone really quick. We'll be right back. And we went to your room and I couldn't, lost it. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. It was, it was literally, it was so funny because the, the space was incredible. The ritual was gorgeous. Like everything about it was really amazing. Except we are children when there's pigs. Like the, I, I can't, can't control myself. And so when we got out of there, we were like, we saw this really funny side of the Morgan. We saw this like prankster oh, side yeah, of so her. Yeah, so everyone's like, oh, you know, she has a sense of humor. But, you know, I think, I know we're kind of running low on time, but I really wanted to read this yeah, one myth. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Because I just think you're both going to love it. And then we can honestly say Kanani has at least heard part of one of my books, even if she won't read it. Forceful. I'll give so, you that. Forceful. Okay. Yeah. So this is, that. this is a retelling I did that's based on... Um, a, a translation of the myth. And the language is, is kind of difficult, so I, I, I did what I could to make it a little easier. So it's starring this character named Cucullin, who is kind of like an, an, an Irish superhero. He ends up defeating a whole army by himself, and he and the Morgan are always at odds. The Morgan is the only character who consistently brings him down t- until his death. And this is one of the stories. So it's called the Tanbo Regavna, which means the cattle raid of the important calf. Cucullin was awakened by the sound of cattle roaring and ran naked into the yard, his wife following with his clothes. He and his friend raced toward the sound where they found a strange sight, a chariot pulled by a single red horse with a single leg. 
the shaft of the chariot extended through the horse to the front of its forehead. Sitting in the chariot was a red-haired woman with red eyebrows, wearing a red cloak that draped down the back of the chariot, dragging on the ground behind her. Sitting next to her was a big man in a tunic carrying a forked white hazel stick, which he used to drive a cow. Immediately, Cucullin prevented the couple from moving forward. The cow is not pleased with her driving, said Cucullin. It is not your place to judge this cow, said the red woman. It does not belong to you, your friend, or any companion of yours. The cows of all Ulstermen are my responsibility, said Cucullin. You decide much, Cucullin, said the woman. Why is the woman speaking to me, said Cucullin? Why isn't the man speaking? It was not the man you shouted at, the woman replied. Ha, said the hero. So you must speak for him? He cannot speak for himself? Cold wind, conflict, brightness, strife is his name, said the woman. Cucullin laughed. And a lovely name that is. I see you will be speaking for your man. Be that the case, what might your name be? The man said, the woman you are speaking to is keen-edged, small-lipped, plain-cloaked, hair-sharp, shouting fierceness phantom. Cucullin became angry. Do you think I'm an idiot? He leaped um, into the chariot, squatting on the woman's knees and pointing his javelin at the crown of her head. Us, do you know who I am? A small man, I believe, she said. I am a woman satirist. This cow is my payment for a poem I delivered. Then I shall hear the poem now, said Cucullin. So then she goes forward and she honestly, she says this poem, basically curses him out and prophesizes his death. And then she turns into a bird and sits up on a, on a tree ahead of him. And he looks up and says, A hurtful woman you are, said Cucullin. Distress shall be on this bog until doomsday, said the woman who was now a bird. And from that day, the place was known as the Bog of Distress. If I had known it was you, you would not have had the chance to hide as a bird. So then they go back and forth and they're cursing each other out again. And in the end, he has to walk off with his tail between his legs and she goes off with the cow. And in the end, the, the, um, the calf that this cow gives birth to starts the Tan Bo Hulnia, which is the great Irish um, cattle raid epic in which all these people go to war and end up dying and stuff like that. And she comes back and she messes with Cacolin again during it. So she starts the great war and then she causes problem in the middle of it and um, <laughs> and helps the bull. They're all trying to capture, evade, capture many times. So she's really incredible. Um, and so I include a number of myths like that, but I also include ways for us to look into this. And to me, that whole myth was about standing up to patriarchy because he's like, you can't do that. She's like, who the hell are you to say I she's can't like, do this? She's like, oh yeah? yeah, watch me. And she uses her words as a weapon, yeah. right? Which shows us the power of our voices. Of our voices. And which is such an important thing for us to look at at this time. Yeah. And then, like I said, I also include a number of other uh, personal stories of people of how they embraced her. Well, I mean, I really enjoyed reading the book and I think that it, I think that anyone that picks it up is going to find that it's a fairly easy read, even though it has quite a lot of information. It, it like, it flows really nicely. Um, and that you're going that, you know, I think like I did, I'm sure you will find that there are lots of elements of the Morgan that you just didn't even realize were part of her, you know? That was, for me, that was really, like, a huge part of my takeaway. And also just a lesson that we may see someone as something, but we don't see all of them, right? You know, like, that's something yeah. that's true, period, you know? We may assume that one person is one thing, but if we don't look into what they are or look at the complexity of what a whole human is or a whole goddess or a whole right. any entity, anything, um, you know, we I think we miss some of it. So, yeah. I mean, I thought I thought it was really insightful and it was really fascinating um, I mean, I'm also like, I love, uh, like Celtic history and Irish history. So, I, I mean, I found it really, really fascinating to read. So, um, if you haven't gotten it. Yes, uh, there, we do have links on our website, we but definitely, links. definitely order from your local metaphysical shop yeah. if at all possible, if you have one near you. And I, if you, yeah. I do like what you, what you mentioned though, about how that sometimes people might get confused because if they're in a very dark place that she's who comes to them, that she is there with you in that dark place, but it doesn't mean she, she took you she, to that dark place. It doesn't that's mean a she very different it. yes. Right. And she's that's a very different thing that I think you can see how it could be easily misconstrued well, as and to Oh, you're the reason I'm here. No, since, she might just be helping you through that dark yeah, place. Especially since historically she encouraged people or kept them motivated through hardship yes, battle absolutely. through strife through trouble through so i mean if you see her as that that she has shown up to be like don't you sit your ass down and give up, up. Mm -hmm. and pull was, it to get pull you know pull yourself back up and do it 
And that was the major, the major thing, because I said, this goddess is such a paradox. But then when I was reaching the end of this book, I went through a, a very large paradox of my own. Um, Hillary and I lost a very old friend who died very suddenly. And, and I actually had a dream in which the Morgan said, you know, you're going to hear something really that's going to be very unfair is what the dream was. Yeah. And it turned out, yeah, he died very suddenly and very young. Yeah, and that yeah. was, and we had just become friends again. We had a huge falling out at the end of high school and, and you reconnected. We had reconnected. We had and finally put all that to rest. Yeah, it was like, Oh my God, let's, yes, I want to so meet glad. your wife. You're going to be my husband. We're going to be friends. Yeah. And then he died. And I'm like, Oh, that fucking sucks. And then, you know, my husband and I finally achieved a pregnancy and we lost it at seven weeks. Like that happened. Oh, those things happen within about two months of each other. Those two really big losses. That's like big loss. Big lo- but there's also a paradox in that loss. I mean, with, with losing our friend, there was a weird joy that was in there too. One, I was so thankful that I had reconciled with him. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, there's a strange... And we actually like reconnected. I reconnected with people that I hadn't talked to in a yes. really long time. Yeah. When we, we came together and then you and I got to get up there and, and speak at his funeral, which was very strange for me because when I was cursing his name till the end when I was 18. So here I was at 37 getting up there and singing his praises at yeah. his funeral. And it was great. I felt like we, I felt like we provided some really good comic we relief. We did. Like, really funny stories. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's true. I think that sometimes, you know, I think anytime we go through something complicated or something really challenging or really difficult, there's always that person that says, you're not going to like what I have to say, but I'm going to say it. Yes. I remember, uh, I remember when I was going through my divorce, the, um, uh, um, a teacher of mine was like, I'm going to tell you this and you're going to tell me that I should shut up and that you don't want to hear it, but it's true. And she goes, you're going to come out of this on the other side and you're going to know more about yourself and more about what you want and know more about your bottom line than you ever had in your life and you'll be better for it. And I was like, you know, like I was like, so I was like, yeah, whatever grumbling. I mean, I knew somewhere in the back of my head, I was like, you're right. I know this is right. But I was like, I don't want to hear that shit. I just want someone to be miserable with me. Right. But I didn't need someone to be miserable with me. I needed someone to say, you know what? This is going to suck, but it's going to be okay. Like, you're going to make you're, it. You're going to come out the other side and not in a like, Oh, honey, it's going to be, be okay. fine. Yeah, but like, more no. into like, this is going to be hell, and then it's going to be better for you. Yeah. And and you know what? She was 100% right. And that's where I feel like the Morgan came through with that. And yeah, I, for I think sure. That she, I think she showed up knowing that time was coming for me. And then yeah. I could, I had a, because when I had all those paradoxical feelings, one place I just went and just sat at my Morgan altar. And sometimes I cried, and sometimes I was mad, and sometimes I was full of joy, a very weird joy. Yeah. That the, you know, that I've been able to experience pregnancy, even though it didn't last long, that I knew this person, even though that he was dead, that I reconciled yeah. with this person. Yeah. All of those things. All those are things, things that, you know, there's there's a weird joy in grief, and people don't talk about that. And I feel like that's a, and people are trying to stifle it down. But with the Morgan, she's like, it's all of this. It's all, it's, I, I, it's she's, everything. Yeah. It's all things. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, they talk about, until you know sadness you can't truly know joy you know you have to experience certain levels of depression and sadness and loss and struggle if you're gonna appreciate the good times and the happy times and what you actually have if if all you know is abundance then you're never going to be truly grateful yeah because you're not going to know what it's like to not have and so i think that's part of it is is sometimes these moments of despair and grief kind of remind us of what we have and where we don't have despair and where we should be really grateful. So as much as those moments in time really suck and hurt, they're they're part of the balance. Yeah. Yeah. They bring about some of those other feelings. I wanted to make sure I gave you enough time to ask a question that will take 45 minutes before the end of this episode. (laughs) It's me. She's not that interested in what I have to say. (laughs) It's true. Thank God it's you. Thank God it's Thank me. Thank God it's you and we don't have to listen to a 45-minute question. Guys over there filing her. I'm hopped up on cold medicine, so I'm like, I'm yeah, just human. Well, thank you so much for letting us talk thank to you. Thank you for having me on yeah. the show. Thanks I for really appreciate being here. We hope you never you come guys, back. I think right? You guys have been really, really, really horrible hosts. Yeah, we're Actually, i got to be honest, guys. These two are really nice to me when no one else is around. So <laughs> Lies. All lies. I love it. The first time I got published, I said, Kanani's you know, like, don't ruin the facade. Right? Yeah. They'll see us in person. They'll know, it's, they'll know that's not true. It's just true. Thank you for tuning in today, and I hope everyone has a great week this week. Yeah. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yes, indeed. Join us on the first and third Mondays of the month for magical tools, 
tales, tips, and stories about living as a witch in today's world. Find us at thatwitchlife.com for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future podcast. Thank <laughs> you.